0: Let us now open God's Word this morning. We will read from the New Testament from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Since past week was Ascension Day, Thursday was Ascension Day, and bearing in mind this special day, our focus will be this morning on the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, And as you'll see this passage speaks of the ascension and the blessings that come through the ascension of our Lord and Savior we'll read them from Ephesians chapter 4 and then we'll read the first 16 verses hear then the word of our God I therefore a prisoner for the Lord I being the Apostle Paul urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called Therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men in saying he ascended what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions the earth he who descended is the one who has also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Congregation, the text for this morning's sermon, is found in the passage we read from, from Ephesians 4, while we look at the entire chapter, we will focus on the verses that are in the middle there, focusing on the verses 8 through 13. May we read those verses again? Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Text, and after the proclamation, let us respond in song, singing together from hymn 40, the stanzas 2, 4, and 5. Beloved in our ascended Lord Jesus Christ, this past Thursday was Ascension Day. And how much thought did you and I give to Jesus ascension into heaven on that day now his ascension doesn't get as much airtime as his birth at Christmas or his death and resurrection at Easter there's no public holiday here in Canada for ascension be easy to forget this mighty action of our Lord and Savior of his ascending into heaven there before the eyes of his disciples. But then you might be wondering, well, what is the big deal about his ascension into heaven? Is it really that important that Jesus ascended into heaven to be seated at the Father's right hand? What are the possible benefits of of this great work? well you see one of those benefits as you will have an election of elders and deacons following this morning's worship service it's one benefit there are more benefits and this is where we need to look at our text of this morning here in Ephesians chapter 4 The Apostle Paul makes specific mention of Jesus' ascension, his triumphant ascension into heaven. And as you see here, it's absolutely foundational to the life, to the well-being of us as church. Ascension speaks to, to the leadership of the church. It speaks to the growth of us as church. Speaks of how we have leadership from Jesus Christ, our head, and how we are, yes, members of his body. And it also speaks of how we are to relate as members to the leadership and how we are to relate to each other as members of the same body. And so you see, there's actually incredible blessings come to us through our ascended Lord Jesus Christ. And see also the need then for each one of us to be growing up into our head, into Jesus Christ. And so we'll see then this morning that membership here in this congregation has its benefits. So let's hear God's word this morning summarized in this way. Our ascended Lord provides for the building up of his body. We'll look at the gifts then we'll look at the goal. So this morning we just read from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians This letter was directed to a church that was established by the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. Paul had come to this, you would say, major or important city in Asia Minor, preached the gospel. Many came to faith in our Lord and Savior. A church was established here, and and then especially in the second half of this letter, Paul writes a lot then about this church, the church of Jesus Christ, and the goals that he has for this church, and for that matter, for any church, also the Ancaster Church. For let's not forget that the church is very precious to Jesus Christ. As you can read in this letter, he loved his church, his bride. He loved her so much that he gave up his life for her dying for her on the cross yes such is the love of jesus christ for for his church and in his love and his devotion for the church that he also gives in this letter much needed instruction this instruction about the church was needed back then like it is also needed today for we live in in a time where so many even those who call themselves christians are quick to diss the church Dismissing it as irrelevant in this in this digital age. I Recently read an article which claimed that the problem with the church today that is is, is so inefficient And being so inefficient we see the results they say we see declining attendance and worship waning commitment to living membership shrinking desire to serve in the leadership positions Now let us be clear the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in every age has had its challenges. The church today, too, does. church of Ephesus, as we can see here, had its challenges. And yet, when we read Ephesians 4, we see how the Lord Jesus truly loves and cares for his church, and we see here how he makes provision for his church so that his church may remain, so that the church may Live and work together in unity, that the church may grow together towards full maturity. And this is why in the beginning of chapter 4, we have the Lord Jesus command certain things to this church. We read the beginning of chapter 4, there we have these commands, Be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. As this is the way they're called to grow together to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And after mentioning these very practical ways to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, the Apostle Paul also goes on to mention the reality of the unity that was there in this church, which they already shared. For he also says here there is one body and one spirit just as we're called to the one hope that belongs to your call one Lord one faith, one baptism one God and father of us all who's over all and through all and in all is what what the Apostle Paul describes here is that wonderful oneness or unity in the church but as much as there's this oneness and unity in the church He also makes clear there is diversity in the church. Yes, diversity is described here as a good thing. And diversity shows itself also then in the gifts. For as the apostle writes in the next verse, in verse 7, that grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Indeed, Christ in the church gives gifts, gifts of grace. He gives gifts to each and every one of us. And this is reinforced in the first verse of our text where it says, He that is Christ gave gifts. And what follows is a list of gifts apostleship, prophecy, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And everyone here, as members of this church of Christ, have received gifts. Some of these gifts are mentioned in the list here. Yet this list of gifts is far from exhaustive. So, where do these gifts mentioned here in our text and in all gifts, where do they come from? Well, as the apostle Paul makes very clear in this passage, they come from our ascended Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said earlier, this past Thursday we remembered the ascension of our Lord Jesus. Now here. Paul makes also mention it's key it's important and how does he make mention of Christ's ascension well he does this using the Old Testament using Psalm 68 Psalm 68 which we just sang from now this is not the only psalm in the Old Testament book of Psalms which speaks of the ascension there are other what we could say are ascension Psalms I think of Psalm 24 and Psalm 47 they all speak of the coming ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have here then in Psalm 68. Here in Psalm 68 we read, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. That's what it says here in our in Ephesians 4. In them. You maybe have noticed that That the Apostle does not literally quote here from Psalm 68. When you look at the words in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms in Psalm 68 and what we have here in this quotation in the New Testament, you'll probably notice there's a difference. In the original Psalm, it says, he who ascended received gifts. Here in the quote in Ephesians 4, it says, he who ascended gave gifts. What's going on here, what's going on here is that the Apostle Paul is applying these words of Psalm 68 to our Lord Jesus Christ. For indeed, when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven there before the eyes of his disciples, he went into heaven, you could say, in triumphal procession. He went into heaven having received his yes, possession of the blessing of full salvation here on earth. He attained that salvation victory when he died and rose. Yes, he received the incredible spoils of his victory over death. And he received those blessings so that he might give them away to the church here on earth. And it is only through his ascending into heaven that it is now possible for Jesus Christ to give away all these wonderful gifts to pour out all these wonderful gifts the greatest gift of all being is the gift of the Holy Spirit but there are other gifts many gifts what incredible blessings come from our ascended Lord Jesus Christ including those gifts mentioned here in our texts now as we're also told here in this passage Jesus in saying he ascended What does it mean? And it says that he also descended into the lower regions in the earth. Such a glorious ascension of Jesus Christ was simply not possible unless he had first descended into the lower regions, that is, and he descended here to earth. Yes, Jesus Christ had to come down here to earth. He had to come down here to earth to suffer and to die to make atonement for our sins Only when he had suffered the curse of our Heavenly Father here on the cross that he was able then to ascend through the heavens into the highest heaven with his hands raised up in constant blessing. You look at the end of Luke, beginning of Acts, you can read of how he ascended. He ascended with his hands raised in blessing. Having endured the curse, he could now dispense the blessing and he is there in heaven with his hands raised in blessing. And that's why it says there in verse 10 of our text, so that he might fill all things. He is filling this earth with his blessings, the blessings which he has won with his work, which he has done here on this earth. And so we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so, yes, it is our ascended Lord Jesus Christ then who gives us his blessing, who gives us his gifts. He's the one, as it says here in our text, who gave apostles, and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, or pastors and teachers says our ascended lord who has poured out in blessing all these gifts and and many more gifts among us as members of his body of his church and there's this incredible diversity a variety of gifts given from our ascended lord jesus christ and the apostle paul gave his list here his intention was not to furnish a complete list Realize there's other similar lists in the Word of God. You look up 1 Corinthians 12, and you can read of, and there are another lists in there. It says God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and the list goes on. Another passage in Scripture that has a list of gifts is Romans 12. There are gifts like prophecy and teaching and exhorting are mentioned. I'm going to look a little more closely at the list that's in front of us here in, in Ephesians 4. It says, yes, he gave the church, yes, first apostles. Apostles were very important in the early church. Now, who were the apostles? Well, as the word itself suggests, they are those who were sent. Yes, it's the Lord Jesus who sent out his disciples. In that sense, they were apostles. And when you look in the New Testament, you look up that word apostle. You most often see them used of men like Peter and James and John and Matthew, the twelve disciples. These men were special in the sense that they were witnesses to the to the ministry of our Lord Jesus here on earth. They were witnesses to his death, his resurrection, his ascension and so they were sent out then as apostles and when they spoke they spoke the words of God they spoke of the salvation that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we need to remember in the time of the early church they did not have the Word of God as we have it in front of us today the New Testament was not yet complete and so how did God bring his word to the early church? He used the apostles, men like Peter and John and, and Paul. So the wonderful gift for the early church, very important for the building up of the early church. And there's another gift that's mentioned here, the gift of prophecy, prophets. And when we think of prophets we often may be thinking of ourselves as believers being prophets priests and kings and here the gift of prophecy is a bit different here the prophets are very much like the Apostles in fact some of the apostles were called also prophets and they were prophets in the sense that they too brought the Word of God the inspired Word of God they spoke the very Word of God Again, because the New Testament was not yet complete these this was God's way of bringing his word his revelation to his people and so as I said just a moment ago some of the Apostles were also prophets but there were others in the early church that had this specific gift I think here of Agabus Agabus is mentioned in Acts 11 He was a prophet. He was said to be a prophet. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what did he speak about? Well, he's the one who predicted the famine that would come, a worldwide famine. You can look up another passage like Acts 15, and there you have two men that are mentioned, Judas and Silas, and they were said to be prophets. And what did they do? As you can read in that passage, they exhorted church members with many words and strengthened them. So they too came with the Word of God now if you go back in the letter to the Ephesians you go back to Ephesians 2 you'll see that that it's the Apostles and prophets serve only for the laying of the foundation of the early New Testament church they were there in the very beginning when the word of the New Testament was not yet complete And they were there, yes, to lay the foundation of the New Testament church. And when these men who were apostles and prophets died, these extraordinary, these foundational gifts did then cease. And what they had spoken, what they had said, what they had declared were very vital then to the establishment of the New Testament. Much of the writings... Of the New Testament who did they come from from the Apostles so we have the apostolic Word the Word of God and we as church still enjoy the blessing of these gifts we enjoy it here with the Word of God and what they be declared what they spoke about is yes foundational to the to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ now another gift is mentioned it's called here the gift of, of the evangelists. And what about this gift? You don't hear too much about it in the, in the New Testament scriptures. A few times we do is with respect to the deacon Philip. He's mentioned in Acts 21 as also being an evangelist. Timothy. Timothy is called by Paul in his second letter to do the work of an evangelist this position is not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament scriptures It appears that this gift also was given for the time of the early church to help the spread of the gospel and it's these men who were serving you could say as traveling missionaries in this way helping and assisting the Apostles in their work of spreading the gospel throughout the world to help see the church yes lay a strong foundation so that it could grow it could grow in faith and grow in numbers and then another gift is mentioned the last one mentioned here is that of of pastors and teachers or shepherds or and teachers you could say these were the ministers in the local church such as the church of Ephesus this is what Pastor floor is here in Ancaster what I am in Cornerstone we are shepherds or pastors and teachers in Christ's body in our respective places now you're probably wondering well the list ends here with pastors and teachers what about elders and deacons whom you're going to choose again this morning elders and deacons are like the others mentioned in this list they are there to serve for the leadership of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ and we know we know that the church of Ephesus had elders if you read Acts 20 you have there an address of the Apostle Paul to the elders of the church of Ephesus and there he said to them pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of Christ which he has obtained with his own blood. You look at that passage, Acts 20, you see that elders are also called to be pastors. They're called to shepherd the flock. And so here in Ancaster Church, you have more than one shepherd. You have one shepherd who focuses on preaching and teaching, but there are other shepherds. That's what our elders are. They are shepherds. They're pastors. They serve as shepherds and pastors alongside the one who labors in preaching and teaching. And as we also know from Scripture, yes, elders are not just to be able to shepherd. They're also to be able to teach. You read that in 1 Timothy 3. They need to be apt to teach. And so, in that sense, they are pastors and teachers. And when they come and do their work, what do they work with? They need to work with the Word of God, as we have it here nothing less than the Word of God. So, what are these brothers with these gifts, the position of shepherd and teacher, but also deacon, to be doing? We have this list, and then we get a description of what they are to be doing look at verse 12 we as leaders whether we're pastors and teachers ministers and elders and deacons what are we to be doing we as leaders as it says here are to equip the Saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ so often we think that if someone's a minister or an elder or a deacon they got a lot of work to do in the church and the congregation and they do and we do easily stand on the sidelines and watch them work and make our comments about what they do and what they don't do. It's easy to be critical of the work of office bearers. And it's easy to think all the work needs to be done by, by the office bearers, be the ministers, elders, and deacons. But we should look closely at what it says here in our text the task of the pastors and teachers ministers and elders and add the deacons is to equip that is to prepare the Saints that is the people of God the members of the church for the work of ministry for the work of service those mentioned there in the previous verse in verse 11 those in leadership are not to do all the work for the members what they're called to do is to train to equip to guide to encourage the members of the congregation to do the work themselves to the as it says here the work of service you look in the original here the word for service is diaconia. this is where we get the work deacon from deacons our servants and really that's what we all are to be we are all you could say deacons called to serve and the office bearers ministers elders and deacons are there to equip us so that we might serve serve one another serve within our communities and we have an example of this is in our Lord Jesus Christ as he said himself I came not to be served but to serve And so we all as members with all our different gifts, our diverse gifts, are called then to to the work of service, of building up, as it says here, the body of Christ. So our various gifts, and we have a real variety of gifts, and they're all to be used in the service of one another in the body of Christ. Now, we all have been given gifts. Some have more gifts than another, but everyone has gifts. A gift and we need to be using those gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit within us we are to use those gifts in the service of other members of the congregation also in the service of the community around us called to serve and how do we serve we serve in love and we can serve in love we can serve in many in various ways very practical ways I think you're a meal train, providing meals for one another. Think of visitation to each other, encouraging one another. And there are many other ways. And you can be very creative when it comes to serving. And as we serve one another, we do this so as to build up the body of Christ. So we're called to serve. not always seem so glorious but that's the way we grow together we build the church of Jesus Christ and how do we do this I mentioned one way actually two ways visiting but also providing meals for each other but another way would be moms busy at home teaching and training their children and teens in this way they're serving for the building up of the body of Christ. Also think of those who take time to listen to another member who's burdened. We're often very good at dispensing advice. But we're not so often good at listening. I see that as a pastor. For the building up of the body of Christ, it's very important that we serve one another by listening. As it says in the letter of James, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And what about showing hospitality? Showing hospitality is another way we serve one another. It should be showing hospitality within the congregation, but also when we have guests. Are we making a point of reaching out and being hospitable and we all have our different gifts and our abilities and there are many different ways then you can see that we can serve you don't all have to serve in the same way and when people serve in the, in a different way let's be careful not to judge and say well, what well what are they doing And a lot of things may be happening away from the eyes of many here And then may we then as as leadership encourage you all then to this work of service for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is in Christ that we can do this. And this way we are being built together, as it says there in chapter 2, to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. This way we become, yes, a Spirit-filled body, a living body. Now that word building up, it speaks of of growth. You build something, you see something grow. And that's what needs to happen in the body of Jesus Christ. Often the stress today is placed in the growth of numbers. And yes, the church needs to grow in numbers, but it also needs to grow in its love and its service of one another. As members of this body, we need to grow this way. And we need to grow up into Jesus Christ and grow with respect to each other. And it's only with the Spirit that we can begin to do this. It's filled with the Spirit that we are going to build up the body of Jesus Christ until, as it says here in our text, until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, what we're being told here by the Apostle Paul is that there is a goal. Until we attain, until we reach. That phrase, it's used quite often in the book of Acts to describe travelers' arriving at their goal reaching their destination while we as members of the body of Christ need to arrive at this goal at this wonderful destination of being united in faith being truly one in faith we need to have that one faith in our Lord Jesus Christ we need to have that one knowledge that common knowledge and conviction about him and his work as it says next year yes you know, it's come to the knowledge of of the Son of God we need to know our Lord our head Jesus Christ we need to know what he has all done for us we need to know of his death and his resurrection we need to share in his death and resurrection we need to share In the new life that we have in Him, the communion we have with Him, we need to come to grasp His great love for us. We need to know how deep, how wide, how high, how low His great love is for us. We need to be growing in the love and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we do this together, and in this way, we're on our way, as it says here too, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yes, we are to be growing. We are to be maturing towards manhood. As members of one body, we become one man, and we need to attain to the stature, to the height, you say, of the fullness of Christ. So together as one body, as one man, we become this strong, spiritually mature man, and it it's nothing less than the fullness of Jesus Christ. So we're not to remain children. You actually see that being mentioned in the verse that follows our, our text. We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by, every, by waves and by every wind of doctrine. No, we need to be growing up. Growing up into him who is the head, into Jesus Christ. We are to be growing up under the direction and blessing of Jesus Christ, our head. We are to be growing in our faith, in our communion with him, in our union with him. And as we grow in that communion with our Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be growing in our communion, in our love for each other, here in the body of Christ. And then we as church are to become, yes, a mature, a full-grown and perfect man. So we come to completion. So we come to completion not just with respect to numbers, but inwardly in spiritual growth and life. And with Christ as our head, we can have this spiritual growth, this maturing happening among us. We can have this bodily growth, this building up in love by the Holy Spirit in every way, and then as leaders yes as those who serve as ministers elders and deacons we are to encourage this this growth in love this maturing among the body this growing together in Jesus Christ and in this way we look forward to the time when Jesus Christ will return and he is going to return he's going to come back the same way he went up the same way he ascended and then beloved then we will appear with him in glorious perfection. Amen.